Welcome to Ultra Q episode 17. My name is Red. I am joined by Mel. Hello. And I'm joined by Razen. Uh, I want everyone listening to envision us as talking around a campfire in the fog, illuminated by car headlights. Hell yeah. Uh, we got some episodes of Ultraman coming up. Coming up, we got Get a Robo. We got Psychopaths. We got motherfucking Thunderbirds. <laughs> That's what Ultraman is this week. Um, it's a good time. Um, I do, so before that, uh, I just you know I don't have much I want I want to talk about because uh, I watched a bunch of stuff. I'm not I don't have much to say about it. But um, uh, and also I've got a bit of a sore throat, so I'm gonna save myself for Ultraman because Ultraman was really good. Um, the one thing I will say is I watched, I finished Your Boy Kong Ming. Um, it was yes. good. Uh, I liked, the, I, I thought, I, I thought the, the song, the big song was a bit of a letdown, but it's, it's whatever. I'm not, I'm not here. I'm not really here for the song. I'm here for Kong Ming and uh, it was good. Um, that's good. That's it. Me, me and my friends will not be able to get back to that until June because of conflicting travel, uh, things that will be happening, which I'm kind of sad about. <laughs> Uh, uh, I oh, started well. picking way back again at Three Kingdoms, so soon I'll get to Kongming. Looking forward to it. Yeah. He's within Kong reach. I uh, picked up my copy of uh, Romance of the Three Kingdoms since we last recorded, and I haven't really been able to crack it open yet. But soon. Uh, the Empire long divided. <laughs> That's about as far as I got. <laughs> Uh, it's a good opening line it's um, very strong yeah i don't i don't have anything else i've been watching ghibli movies and kyoani filling in a, a kyoto animation shaped hole in my anime knowledge um okay no i do have something to say lucky star's boring i don't <laughs> lucky star's <laughs> fucking boring i don't care um, uh, like, I've seen that OP all over the place. I figured, oh, it's gonna be, like, a raucous comedy, and it's probably gonna be, like, I, I don't know, it's gonna be, like, extremely, uh, aged like milk in some ways, but it's gonna be, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna have high energy. No, it's not. It's, like, the most, like, slice of life thing in the world, like, to the point of just, there's nothing here. I don't care. <laughs> So I I stopped watching that because I was just like I don't know. bye. Damn. Um, I'm also aware that the the reputation of like the first four episodes because uh, that one director who sucks uh, worked on it um, and also he just did a bad job on those episodes as well. Uh, but I got past those episodes and I was like yeah sure it's just all right I guess I don't care goodbye. There was like one pre-cure joke in it where I was like yes thank you. Uh, th this is good, uh, but um, otherwise I'm just like, oh. Yeah, I watched Lucky Star as like my second subbed anime back when I was like 14 and I didn't get any of the references. I was just like, this is fun, question mark. I guess I'm saying that I liked <laughs> it enough to not swear off anime, but I don't remember anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh well. Um, the, the, not up next. I on my because I realized that I have I have basically only ever seen when I watched K on. I realized I had basically only ever seen one Kyoto animation show, <laughs> and it, it was going. It was uh, the Dragon Maid one, and I was like, I should probably watch <laughs> some of the Kyo shows. Um, 
so I'm going back and doing that. And uh, next up is like Nichijo, I think. So that'll be good. I should also probably go back. Actually, I do oh. want Violet Evergarden is them, right? Yes. I... I've been meaning to get around to that. I never saw Violet Evergarden. I feel like there's a point where like I start I were like I followed Kyo enemy stuff that was more recent and then I was just like actually I'm bored every time I watch this stuff. <laughs> I um I there's part of me that wants to go back and see how I feel about Haruhi cuz I like I watched the first part of it way back like when it was kind of like more contemporary like i think it was a little bit late to it i wasn't watching it like as it came out or anything uh and i remember being like this is all right when i was younger but i feel like i might like it more now so uh i like it it's good uh i i think uh, uh kion is like the one shitty high school boy that i'm like yes love you <laughs> you're perfect <laughs> what you don't like um, Achiro? Uh, mm, I, like is a, <laughs> is the wrong word. <laughs> um, I enjoy you don't watching like, him you suffer. Don't, you don't like Shiki Tono. <laughs> I, I, there's a scene in Tsukihime where I am like, this is the greatest thing that's ever been written, which is a Shiki Tono meeting, <laughs> and them just, just like kicking it in like, like on a fucking like park bench or something, and being like, uh, are we gonna? Kill each other? Yeah, I. Like, <laughs> what's what's happening here? It's like it's yeah. like you ever taken apart a radio? You ever taken apart a radio? Ray Dio? I've never killed anyone with that name. This <laughs> is one of the greatest lines in fiction. I need to get finished Sukihime. So I need to do. Uh, but yeah, there's a couple Q and A stuff I liked, like Quaker and. Oh shit, I didn't even realize this is embarrassing. <laughs> well, they did um, Second Raid and also the, um, Fumo the Fumo. spin-off. Yeah, the I spin never saw Full Metal Panic, so I should probably get to that. Also, Nichijo, uh and maybe Sound Euphonium. I did also like uh, the other thing by the Full Metal Panic guy that was like Amagi Brilliant Park. That was also fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I put I put together a whole list of just being like I'm just gonna watch these these things. Um, Lucky Star being boring really took the wind out of my sails. Which Damn, was funny. I was I was like I was expecting more from this, but oh well. Um, yeah, I think it was like I saw Tamako Market and I was like I don't like this, uh, and I saw the <sighs> whatever the other one that the show that's abbreviated as K and K that's not Kara no Kyokai. Uh, that was all I had. Uh, <laughs> I wasn't gonna be honest. That was all I had. I was like, ah, yes, Garden of Sinners. Mel, I I felt that one on a on a level because I also do not remember the name of that show. But there have been so many confused like times I've been confused on Twitter because yeah, of that. But just <laughs> both those shows, I was like, uh, I don't care about. Oh, this uh, Kyokai no Kanasa. Yeah, Beyond yeah, the boundary. That, yeah, both both those were like, I don't like this. And I saw Violet Evergarden's like, damn, this was with boring, so I'm gonna not. Uh, oh, Kyokai no Kanasa's the one with the money gif. Where she's she's like uh, waggling her fingers after some cash. Aren't we all? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I for for having said I don't have much to talk about. I then talked for a while, so uh, I'm done. <laughs> uh, I have three fast things again. I feel like I've been on a streak of like watching things, and I'm like, uh, actually, one of them I probably have a bit to talk about. But um, 
me and my friends did a group watch of Jennifer's body because uh, it had been a while for some people since we had last seen it. Um, and it was uh, someone's first time seeing it. Um, I feel like I am representative of the general movie-going audience when, like, thinking about this movie. Because at the time it came out, I didn't see it. I had no interest in seeing it. Um, I feel like even the... I think there's an interview with the director coming out about how pissed off she was about how the film was marketed. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Jennifer's Body is a horror movie about um, Megan Fox's character becoming like a like a weird demonic vampire because of a virgin sacrifice gone wrong because she's not actually a virgin. Uh, so then she starts to kill a bunch of the boys in her local high school and her best it's her best friend's job to like take her out basically. Um and it was marketed in like the most exploitative like horny way possible back in the day and people thought it was like really vapid and stupid and just like you know a I guess, for lack of a better word, like, lowbrow, like, trashy movie that no one wanted to go see. Uh, It's really well-written. It's very clever. Um, It's such a good satire of teen movies at the time that it it honestly kind of, to me, is this, you know, from a historical perspective, it's like this perfect embodiment of what this type of teen movie was in the late 2000s. It's such a good commentary of the time it came out. Um... It's just really good and clever about stuff like teenage relationships and teenage love, uh, insecurities in high school, and like seeing your friends go out and doing things and feeling like you don't quite necessarily fit in, um, while also being tongue in cheek about those sort of things and knowing like a lot of this is just insecurity that comes with youth and like you know not having a lot of experience with your life yet and, and that sort of thing. Um, and also just, like, poking fun at, like, the alternative scenes that were kind of happening at the time without ever being, like, super dismissive or, like, I guess, like, putting them down. Um, but yeah, it's a good time, and if, uh, you haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend, like, grabbing some friends and watching Jennifer's Body. It's been kind of, I feel like it's been critically reappraised in recent years, which I'm happy to see because it, it is, like, worthy of that kind of, like, cult horror movie status. Um, and it got criminally overlooked uh, by a lot of people when it came out. Um, yeah. I <laughs> More relevant to this podcast, I decided to watch all of the episodes that are out of Chibi Godzilla Reigns Again, <laughs> which is now also my uh, profile picture because Chibi Godzilla is a mood. Um, oh, that's what that is. That's Chibi Godzilla. Yes, uh, everyone in every other server I'm in is like, why are you a broccoli man? Which I think is fun. Um <laughs> so there was a chibi godzilla series of shorts that i believe what these are is they air on like a children's tv channel on like saturday mornings as like quick like five minute buffers between shows um and the the first one that came out i didn't watch because it's like a weird like 3d cg like honestly kind of it reminds me a little bit of like those old like like SD Gundam basically, but this doesn't look good. Mm-hmm. It's it's just like bad kind of like 3D CG Godzilla, so I didn't bother watching it. But Toho puts these up on YouTube like a week after they air in Japan with English subs. Uh and they're fun. Uh the plot is about uh Chibi Mecha Godzilla washing ashore on Monster Island where he meets his first new friend, uh Chibi Godzilla, who decides the to show Monster her around. Monster Anarchy Zone. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yes. Um 
So, so he meets Chibi Godzilla, his first friend. He's like, yeah, I'll show you around the island. And most episodes are about the hijinks they get up to or meeting other Chibi versions of classic Toho monsters. Uh, Chibi Godzilla is voiced by Jun Fukuyama, and his main goal in life is he wants to grow up to be a big Godzilla because right now his real dad, or his dad, which is the real Godzilla, uh, is too big to notice him. Uh, and all he wants is a hug from real Godzilla. Uh, it's it's very tragic of a, of a tale. Um... But yeah, they they just go around and like meet new new friends. Uh, really good bits if you're familiar with these uh, movies. Like Mothra is just like a, a really nice like shy girl, but then also too she hangs out with the two like fairy twin girls who are like really catty and mean, and basically are like, oh, Mothra says that you're not cool enough to hang out with us, and Mothra's like, I I, I never said that, and they're like, no, you <laughs> you need to get away. You guys are creepy. Um, like, fun, fun gimmicks like that. Rodan is a prick for, like, no reason at all, <laughs> with, like, really low self-esteem, so he always, like, praises himself to boost his ego, and then falls out of the sky when people, uh, break the, break the, uh, illusion at all. Uh, it's a good Damn, time. sucks to be Rodan. True. Uh, they also, there's a joke somewhere in there implying that the reason monsters stop speaking English after they're not chibi anymore and they just start to roar is that that's what happens when monsters hit puberty, which made me laugh. <laughs> Man, months got to lose the power of speech. Yeah, you just start to scream. It's just the voice gets really deep, and you can't tell. You can't hear it with human ears. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. Uh, the, the I think the next episode that's due out involves people hanging out in Mechagodzilla's treehouse and playing with toy trains. So I'm curious what the hell the deal is there. Oh, shy guy's toy box. Yes, exactly. Um, and I guess my last thing, uh, sorry, I should say, Chibi Godzilla Raids again, good time, I recommend you check it out, it's on Toho's YouTube channel, I don't know if there's any weird region nonsense going on with, you know, sometimes these companies do that with, not every country can see this sort of thing, but, uh, I recommend it if you can watch it. The other kaiju thing I did is I revisited King Kong. (laughs) Yeah, how was King Kong? Um... Okay, yeah, that's a groundbreaking classic for a reason. I the the last time I saw it, I was pretty young, and I feel like it was my uncle used to do this thing sometimes. Where it was like, "Oh, you gotta see this movie," and like I'd kind of hang out and watch like a thing, but I'd like maybe be doing something else in the background and like half paying attention. Um, it's weird. The whole time I was thinking about how you know most of the like tokusatsu stuff we've been watching is like. 60s 70s sort of era and just like developing that appreciation for okay this is like 30 to 40 years before all of that and just like seeing what techniques were still in use to communicate these effects versus what like was updated and changed was really interesting um famously king kong is not portrayed by a suit actor like a lot of other giant monster movies would end up doing just because it looks better uh all of well not all of the monsters but the majority of the monsters in this movie are all stop motion animated and uh it it takes a little bit to get acclimated to i gotta say after getting used to the suit actors um when king kong first showed up i was like oh that looks terrible but as the movie kept on going i was like okay no this is fine actually um racist as hell uh, the, the way that this movie treats the indigenous <laughs> population of the island, yeah. fucking horrible. 
Um, I sure hope the main doesn't keep a recurring thing. Whoa. Yeah, I was thinking that the whole time. I think this might be the worst. At, like, there's literally a scene where the tribe is like, we'll trade you six of our women for your pure, beautiful white woman to give to Kong. <laughs> and yes. it, it's... Oh it's my really, god. It's really, yes. Uh, also, holy shit, is that, I mean, this is classic 1930s misogyny, but Jesus Christ. <laughs> I posted this on Twitter, but there's a part where the main character of the movie uh, confesses his love to the main heroine, and she goes, Haha, Jack, you hate women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had lost my fucking mind. Um, uh, I just, there's, yeah, there's like a, uh, there's like a, there's like a a period before misogyny becomes like a pejorative and you can just, like, someone can just say, oh, I'm a misogynist and they just mean it and it's, that's normal. Well, like, and I felt, okay, so there, the start of this movie is kind of terrifying in ways that... Have any of you went back and watched the original Rocky and you're like, this is the worst relationship of all fucking time. Jesus Christ, you two people should not be together. I've, um, I've never seen Rocky. Oh, okay. The, <laughs> so minor spoilers for Rocky. Their first date ends with her going, I'm kind of uncomfortable hanging out alone with you in your apartment. I'm going to leave. And then he blocks her from leaving and then forces a kiss on her. And then she gets really into it. And then they have sex. It's the most uh, like... Blade Runner. It is exactly the Blade Runner thing, where it's like, this is, this is not okay. <laughs> um, but uh, the first conversation that the two, like, leading, well, okay, sorry, before that, uh, we, in, we we start the movie being introduced to the idea that there's this movie director who's going on to this, like, island voyage halfway across the world. They never say where, they just constantly say halfway across the world, which I found funny. Um... And uh, this movie director is known for for doing anything to get the shot or having bravery to the point of maybe being insane or whatever sort of thing. Uh, And then we cut to this guy uh, finding a woman getting accused of stealing food off of like a food vendor in in New York. And then the, the heroic film producer or director guy is like, I'll pay for the apple or whatever. And then takes her aside and he's like, hey, you're pouring down on your luck. But you're beautiful. How about you're in my movie? Uh, if you want a job and to be able to feed yourself, come come on my boat at 6 a.m. We're going halfway around the world. And he, like, basically pressures this, like, homeless woman into, like, acting in this movie. Um, he's, 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 like, a notorious asshole, right? Like, a yes. director? Yeah. Like, he, he has a reputation. Okay. This is my thing. This guy has a reputation, and it's obvious that he is he is very fine with putting everyone around him in danger. And the movie, like, comments on it. At no point in the movie does this guy, like... I feel like if this movie came out even a decade later, this guy would eat shit at any point. But the whole time, nothing goes wrong for him. <laughs> and I think the movie is like, oh, that's just how it is for dudes like this, you know? Like... It's fine. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and yeah, the the main hero who is a, a a rough and tough sailor guy who's not so sure about this whole director, uh, is introduced talking to our heroine where he's like, "Yeah, I hate it when women are on boats; they're a nuisance." Uh, 
and and that's the start of their wonderful chemistry is being like, God, I'm so fucking mad that I have to sail with you on board. Classic. <laughs> so bad. This is there's a through line from this to uh, sitcoms where the wife and husband hate each other. Oh, absolutely. Um, I know I've talked about King Kong and haven't talked about the monster stuff at all. Uh, yeah, the King Kong beating up giant snakes and like a T Rex and and all that stuff is is good fun. Um, mm-hmm. there's a point where uh King Kong is really upset that they stole back uh the the heroin because that's his whole thing is he he steals the heroin because she's kidnapped and forced to be his like bride as like a sacrifice uh, and Kong likes to like take the pretty ladies back to like his little home or whatever. Um, presumably until, like, an accident happens and they die, I guess. It's a dangerous jungle out there. There's T-Rexes and dinosaurs of all shapes and sizes and all that fun yeah. stuff. But, I, uh... I played, I played that video game for the, the, the PS2. Did the, you? The P- oh, Peter that, Jackson one. I need to rewatch the Peter Jackson one. I'm curious how that holds up. <laughs> but, uh... I imagine. I I don't imagine. I know. Also racist. <laughs> oh, one hundred percent. Um, but there is an incredibly funny scene where where they they save the heroine and they're all back on the boat. Uh, and the only thing stopping Kong from accessing this one part of the island is there's this big wooden like wall slash gate thing. Uh. And you get this, you you get the the miracle of Axis scene where both the white sailors and the indigenous island population team up to try to hold oh Kong God. back, and they just can't. Uh, uh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Um, honestly, the the one last thing I'll say is I I know the iconic part of this movie is uh. The, the part where Kong starts to rampage in New York and he climbs up the Empire State, that actually went, like, a little long for me, where I was like, I feel like we could have... This could have been a, maybe a little more climactic by being a little bit shorter, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I appreciate it for what I can tell, at least, being, like, the start of the whole giant monster rampaging and, you know, how we feel about that sort of thing. It's a lot less meditative on the whole experience... Uh, and has a lot less to say than something like Godzilla, <laughs> but uh, credit where credit's due. That's like two decades after, or like three decades. Is it, after, is it more meditative than year. Godzilla rates again? Uh, apps, mm, mm, maybe not actually. <laughs> oh man, it's it's basically oh, there's a big there's a big scary monster in the jungle, um, and the movie constantly is going on about. Oh, beauty can tame any beast to the point that they made up an Arabian proverb to put at the start of the movie as a slide that as soon as you look up is like, yeah, that's fake. <laughs> um, and famously ends with the guy going, ah, it was beauty that did in the beast. And it, that's all they have to say about that is beautiful women mm-hmm. can solve any problems in life. I try. True. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to, to, not laughing like that. <laughs> Um, I'm looking for new co-host, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> damn. <laughs> um, cool. Well, um, glad to know King Kong is good. Uh, Mel, what you been up to? Okay, I got a few things, but I also don't know how much I want to talk about them in depth. Uh, first off, I quickly went through, tried to 
since Rasen is doing the going through the kaiju movie things, I started to I should restart my own thing so it could be kind of in parody. So I just quickly rewatched the first two Godzilla movies. Uh, you know, we talked about them before on the podcast, so I don't need to talk about them much. But just you know, yeah, Godzilla one is a pretty deep good movie, and Raids again is. <laughs> It's not. Yeah. It's kind of nothing. Yeah. It's kind of nothing. Uh, but the cannery, though. <laughs> uh, Angurius is all right. He'll be back. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, not much to say about those. Uh, but you know, stay tuned for more kaiju movies. I guess. Yeah. Uh, number two, uh, I finished uh, like a short three-episode OVA uh, called Gunsmith Cats. Uh, I don't know what it's from. I think, okay. Uh, it's just a, it's like a short adaptation, I think, of like a girls and guns genre story. Uh, which I thought about checking out a bit more of that genre just because I liked Liquor's Recoil last year. But uh, I didn't realize this was a genre. Apparently, it is. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, like, I, it's like it's like a it's like a very small gun. genre, but it's yeah. I, I have of... my sneaking suspicion that the anime I've seen on AMQ called Gunslinger Girl would fall into the genre. <laughs> I, no, really? Probably. I don't you know. Uh, but yeah, it's... Uh, it's just... I felt... If I, if I was to rate it on the scale of OVAs I'd watched recently, I'd probably put it above both oh My Goddess and Bubblegum Crisis. Uh, it was more entertaining and fun. It wasn't like anything like exceptional or like, whoa, this is crazy, I'm into it. But just like, it was a fun, easy watch. Uh, it's about two are these actual Are these actual cat girls or do they just have big 90s hair? I think the cats is just the play on the fact that they're girls. They're not actually cat girls. Okay. It's okay. about two girls uh, and they run like, they have like a, I guess like a gun store, but there's also like, they don't really have a license. And so there's like a guy from like the drugs and uh basically like the contraband department of like the FBI or whatever is just like, Hey, uh, can you help us with this case? Cause you're good with guns. Uh, it would be a shame if we looked into the fact you have no license. Um, they're just like, okay, fine. Uh, um. and then it's just like a little short story arc about them, like going through like this conspiracy of like a drug crafting wing and it goes all the way to the top. Oh no. Um, but, uh, I do think, there's a, it's, I think it falls into a similar trap as like oh My Goddess did, where it's like, because it's an OVA and not a TV anime, it's not meant to be an advertisement for the manga. It's uh, for people who already like the manga, which means it's adapting a vertical slice of the manga that in the middle somewhere, which means uh, there was a part mm-hmm. when I watched the third episode and they have like introduced to a different cop friend who's like within like the local city police. And it's just like they know each other. And I'm just like, who are you? It's so wild how frequent, like, because, like, they, they do a start as Crusaders where it's like, yeah, we're just adapting the back half. Let's get to the good shit. It's like, damn, like that just doesn't happen anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think, it, I think it, like, I can kind of get how you get there where it's like TV anime is like the thing that is put on the screens for people and they watch it. And it's like, so this is like meant to inform people, the general audience. Uh, whereas if you're an OVA person, because they're expensive, uh yeah, it's a deeper it's like cut. A, it's a deeper cut. It's for people who are like already enthusiasts, which means that if you're getting the OVA, you probably already like the thing. So it's, you know, uh, not meant mm-hmm. for like... To, it's not meant to introduce you to it. It's more meant to be like, oh man, I love 
this series, so I'm going to watch this thing that's uh, adapting it. Um, but it does just make it weird if you're like coming to it like after the fact when it's like you know everything's accessible online basically. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, it's a nice animation. There could cool fights like you know, it's just like an it's an easy breezy watch if you just want to watch some girls with guns. Nice. Yeah. Uh, and the last thing I have, I don't know if I want to get too deep into this either, but uh, I saw the. 29 Korean film Parasite. The Maxim. Oh. <laughs> I thought I thought it was about to be about like this guy with like a funny guy in his hand. But it was actually about like a family of poor people grifting themselves into a rich family's house. Yeah, weird that. Weird that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, That's an alright movie. Yeah, pretty alright. Uh, I'm not sure what values it has to be honest is <laughs> like saying something about capitalism but i feel like it's coming from a centrist place to be honest just a bit uh uh i think it's uh funny when uh how like when someone falls down the stairs that is very funny <laughs> I, I, uh, I i think there's a lot of very funny uh like just violence <laughs> Yeah, it's like funny, and then like immediately goes to oh no, oh no, oh no. Uh, the first half of the movie is just a really funny escalation of like oh my god, this grift is ridiculous. I can't believe the escalation. Uh, and then after it's the most mm-hmm. haha, I love reaping. Oh no, I hate so. <laughs> yes. Or you know, however the other way around. <laughs> uh, and it's just like ah oh, damn. Uh, fucked up mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. Uh, fuck I don't need to tell you about this movie it got an Oscar jeez what do you want from me it did, it did. Uh, I still um, need to watch it it's pretty good yeah uh, that said I guess because it is like like I said it's. I feel like it's perspective is less like explicit and maybe a bit more centrist which does mean you get people like Elon Musk being like, oh, I love this movie. I'm like, well, you don't get it, obviously. <laughs> uh, I mean, sometimes sometimes people just don't get things. Yeah. Some, sometimes, like, you know, I... Also, um, it's... You are also maybe right. It's not like... like some people did talk about it like it was uh, genuinely, like, genius shit. Uh, and I was like, uh, you know, it's fun. It's all right. I don't think I don't think it's life changing <laughs> in quite that way, uh, where people were talking about it when it came out. That's just good, well made. Yeah. Uh, there is just like one part that just stuck out to me as just like, oh damn, the layers to this is like the the kids of like the rich family as like a fixation on American Indians and like role plays as them and has like toys from them imported from the US. I'm like, oh, there's layers to colonialism happening here when the when the <laughs> child of a rich South South Korean kid is doing this. It was uh yes, that is wild. <laughs> uh God, I had forgot I had forgotten about that. Um yeah. That's a pretty good movie. But wow! Yeah, 
Unless we have anything else, we can start talking about what I think is my new favorite batch of episodes of Ultraman. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, um, I'm not sure if this is my new favorite, but it's probably like second favorite. If mm-hmm. it isn't. But these are really good episodes. Wow. They are really good episodes. So let me get into episode 22, which... Oh, fuck. I didn't take down the title for episode 22. Uh, uh, overthrow the surface. Overthrow the surface. Like I said, get a robo. Um, <clears throat> Anne Morheim from Paris HQ visits the Tokyo branch wearing sunglasses at all times. This is important. I, I uh, also want to say this batch of episodes in particular, if you stick to the Ultra Q headcanon of Paris is the afterlife, uh, these, <laughs> these episodes become a lot more profound and compelling. Anyways, carry on. Yeah. Um, so... <laughs> She has come to collect Hayata and bring him back to Paris um, to be involved in a space exploration project. Um, Hayata is clearly uneasy about leaving the team without Ultraman, uh, but everyone else congratulates him and urges him to go. Uh, He and Anne take the VTOL and the squad see them off. Arashi spots something weird in the sky, and soon after, communications in Tokyo go haywire. Visiting uh, TV and telephone companies, the squad find out that this problem is strongest around their headquarters. Back at base, they find a strange device that has been causing these problems. Taking it apart, they find at its core a substance that is only found 25 miles beneath the Earth. What does this mean, and why isn't Hayata picking up the phone when we call? Well, Hayata is, apparently, somewhere between dreams and illusions, lying on a table and surrounded by people in suits and sunglasses, but that's for later. During their investigations, Ide keeps thinking he's seeing Anne, and he comes to the conclusion that she's the one who brought the device. It's the only thing that makes sense. Uh, Ide and Arashi stumble across Anne uh, again, and she escapes by car before they can catch her. But Ide finds the evidence they need. Hayata's communicator. Uh, The squad arranges a search for Anne, and Ide, armed with the Mars 133, finds her and gives chase. Uh, He manages to knock the sunglasses off her, and she and is... Sorry. He manages to knock the sunglasses off her and is shocked to discover that she has no eyes and no sockets. Uh, In her desperation, she calls on her contingency plan, a kaiju called Telazdon, which erupts from the earth and starts wrecking shit. Um, In the VTOL, Muramatsu attacks with napalm bombs just in Tokyo. (laughs) Uh, But it's not enough. Uh, They are forced to land and the squad reunites with Ide. Uh, You know what we need right now? Ultraman. Where the fuck is Ultraman? Uh, 25 miles beneath the Earth. He's at the volcano. Hayata awakens. He's in the volcano. (laughs) (laughs) This is it. (laughs) They were going to feed him to the mole. Um, uh, 25 miles beneath the Earth. Hayata awakens and the people in suits... Anne included, not sure how she got here so fast, uh, all take off their sunglasses to reveal they have no eyes. Uh, They are a subterranean species who who retreated from the surface in the face of drastic changes to the Earth. Now they wish to return to the surface and bathe in the light once more, and maybe in the process they'll enslave humanity? They're workshopping it. Crucially, they know Hayata is Ultraman, and they have decided to begin the whole slavery thing with him turning Ultraman into their own weapon to use against the surface dwellers. Uh, Unfortunately for them, this extremely doesn't work, and when they hypnotize Hayata into turning into Ultraman, he hits the button, 
and the transformation breaks the hypnosis. Uh, because no matter what state Hayata is in, as Ultraman, he is the Superman from the M27 Nebula or whatever number it is. Um, this is what this is right. This is where I'm. I'm. I'm just going to reveal uh, something that has been on my mind for a while in Britain. Um, our uh, highways are called motorways, and they're all M something. Uh, so Ultraman has all this time sounded <laughs> like he was born on a motorway on the way to the hospital or something. <laughs> I, um, his transformation kills the gathered subterraneans in suits, and he escapes from underground to do battle with Telesdon. Uh, he wins, and back at base, the squad are shocked when Hayata returns safe and sound. Uh, he has another surprise for them, though. The real Anne Morheim, who had been kidnapped and replaced on her way here. Uh, Hayata says she was rescued by Ultraman while he was unconscious. Uh, and then, at last, uh, they head out to Paris with... Uh, he heads out to Paris with Anne, for real this time. The end. Um, so, uh, first note, right off the bat, we're gonna... Right, we're going to skip some steps and cut straight to... Uh, Razan, can you tell us who directed this episode, please? Uh, Akio Jasoji. <laughs> I knew it. Okay, now remind me, who is he again? Uh, he is the guy who did the Pearl Eating episode and the... I want to say it was the Cosmic... Yeah, the Cosmic Razor one with Gavadon. Okay. Okay. Cool. It's, he did a good job. He did a good job. <laughs> Uh, so remember last time I talked about him, uh, this is, so this is the guy that Anno took his live action directorial like style from, and there's like a mutual like love there. Uh, and also this is the, this is the guy that people were like, oh, he has a style. Like you can tell when he's directed something. I'm going to be honest. The last episodes we watched from him, I was like, yeah, I can kind of see it, but like, I don't think it's that distinct. Watching these, I totally understand where they're coming from. Right. Um, so, so, so now wild. I the follow up question. I assume he did the next episode as well. He absolutely did. Yeah. Uh, okay. I don't want to get too ahead of things, but uh, uh, I will just say I've seen some of Akio Sashoji's later episodes in future shows, and so when I saw this episode, I was like, "Oh yeah, I know this him." Nice. <laughs> the camera work and like. All of the cinematography here is so more, it's so much more dynamic and inspired than the stuff that we've gotten so far. It When they're all sitting around and talking, there's like the shaky like hand cam, like moving, panning around the room. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's so disorienting. And even though it's just like a, it would just be a regular expository scene in any other episode of the show. You have this sense of unease and like something's just off. Um... And of course, that's all centered to do on like Anne is an imposter, and there's some suspicious shit going on. Um, but it's it does such great work of just setting a tone compared to mm -hmm. everything else that feels very yeoman. Typically, when we have these types of scenes, like you get the same pretty static shots of them in the room in front of the big stupid computer. Uh, just kind of chatting, and there, there usually isn't much going on there other than just like, ah, you know, it's kind of like a, a you know, talking head scene or whatever while we're setting up, like, whatever weird science mumbo-jumbo's happening. Uh, and, and this makes you really feel like you're in the moment, like you're in the room with them, and I, I love that a lot. Yeah. The, um, the choice to just drain all the fucking color out of the underground scene, um, uh, very good. Yeah. Um, 
the all just all the people in suits with the sunglasses on gathered around Hayata on the table is so stupid. I love it. It's brilliant. <laughs> uh, I feel like I I'm gonna sound like those fucking retro video game YouTube YouTuber like people on Twitter for a second here, but um, I feel like maybe the eye sockets uh, being like these little eye covers that are just skin tone. Is maybe like, <laughs> maybe looked a little bit better not watching it in 1080p yeah, with yeah. like I, crystal clear clarity. Yeah, I feel like it was yeah. like kind of a bit too obvious that they were like things pasted over the eyes. Yeah, um, I, I have yeah. a suspicion that back in the day on like an actual TV set at the time that looked a lot more convincing. Yeah, though I'll also say that it still looked weird as hell. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, uh, we continue to get more time with day as the secret protagonist of the sssp <laughs> um but uh yeah i this episode was because other right beyond because the the thing next episode has like actual like more unique stuff about it but beyond like uh the direction in this episode um it's otherwise pretty straightforward ultraman stuff um uh beyond like beyond the actual like hypnosis attempt i i guess which is the like the the big uh uh the big thing um in this episode is that they try to hypnotize him um and it works until it doesn't um, i oh carry on if you no go no go ahead i didn't have anything <laughs> i i feel like we've gotten one or two of these before where the plot is about hayata being out of commission or, or just like He's not the focus, and there's kind of like a this tension of, oh, where's Hayata? Uh, which I always like when the show does. I feel like this is the strongest version of it we've gotten since. Um, mm-hmm. This is not really, like, Ultraman really only factors in right at the end. And I <laughs> I hate to say it, but I kind of like when the show does this, because it, it allows everyone else to really shine uh, mm-hmm. in the team in a way that I, I truly appreciate. Um, I do think it's interesting. I don't know how your subs worded it, Red, but at least for the Blu-ray, the way that the hypnosis thing sounds is, it, I think how they specifically worded it is, even if Hayata is under their control, Ultraman is still his own person that fights for peace and justice from the Land of Light or something yeah. like right. that. So that so that was kind of, because the, the wording was a little more con- uh, maybe confusing on my end, I think. Um, but um, yeah. The, the fact that uh, they they hypnotize Hayata into transforming into Ultraman and Ultraman appears and is like, well, I'm I'm not, I'm <laughs> Ultraman, idiot, <laughs> you fucking morons. I I um, I appreciate them because honestly, I was starting to kind of forget that yeah, like technically they're two separate guys just sharing the same like host body. Um, because we we haven't been doing too much with that delineation, so I was happy that the show brought that back up and kind of reintroduced that after it started with that angle. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, it is funny how they just get immediately owned by the fact that Ultraman is a being of light. <laughs> yes. Uh, also, the fact that his transformation uh, yeah. was also in sepia. Yeah. Uh, that was cool. I do also think, though, mm-hmm. I agree with Razen that like when... Like, it's fun when Ultraman does the Ultraman thing, but also when Ultraman is just, like, an afterthought. and the, Not afterthought, but, like, just, like, the last-minute thing. And they are... he's, he's the period of the yeah, sentence. Yeah, it's, it's, it's more like, oh, this is just an Ultra Q episode. 
Yeah. The um the you'll notice I I literally do not have a single word here written about the fight between him and Telazdon. I do not remember it. <laughs> I just I'm just like, oh that's that's that like five seconds. I think, I think there are some cool effects with like the fire breath burning beams and stuff like that, but mm-hmm. um But yeah. The the rest of the episode is the real highlight. Um It is I do think it's, it's like weird when like Hayata comes in the end and is like talking about like how he got how he like rescued how Anne was rescued by Ultraman and it just kind of like zoomed in really uncomfortably on his face <laughs> yes I, I, I like uh, I, I love the, I love the idea of him trying to come up with new lies and just being like uh, I mean I guess I'll just stick with yeah I was just unconscious it's fine uh, the <laughs> so Everything I see from this guy, I think, is going to be colored by the fact that I also know that he is bouncing between doing this and, like, out art house erotica, often with non-consensual themes and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, there's a, like, I kind of felt some of that with the whole, like, oh, the, the brainwashing and the being strapped down on a table, and I'm kind of like, okay, <laughs> buddy. Uh, like, there, yes, there, there is a undercurrent of that that feels very, like weird for a kid show but it's also like not it's not like intrusive in a way that i find gross or anything it's just like okay this guy has this guy has that like i guess undercurrent or undertone to his work (laughs) a little bit yeah the the writer's belly disguised fetish yeah Uh, absolutely uh, i yeah yeah. it's just that little extra spice (laughs) i i will just say yeah the person who thought the ultraman blowjob frame would say this This podcast we're never, we're, we're never is, letting it go. This podcast is taking my reputation fast. Uh, uh, the, um, <laughs> fucking, it's not, I'm never getting over the goop thing. What the fuck? No. I, I still can't believe I thought it was goo. Anyways, that's all I have on this episode. Ultra, Ultraman can shoot goo. We've seen it. <laughs> that's true. That is true. Um, we don't see it next episode, but we do see it in episode 24. Um, do we have anything more to say about episode 22 of Ultraman beyond it's really good? It's good. No. Nice. Uh, let's talk about another really good episode of Ultraman. Um, right. Episode 23. My home is Earth. Uh, the International Peace Conference is taking place in Tokyo, but strange things are happening. Vehicles in the air and at sea and on the ground, which which are all the places you can be, I could have just said vehicles, are colliding with an invisible wall. Uh, a man named Alan from Paris HQ. Info- every- a lot of people coming from Paris HQ this week. Uh, informed uh, the squad. Angels, as I believe they're called. Yes, yes. Um, I don't know if I'd uh, call the French the squad that, that, but these you know. vehicles. these vehicles all belonged to those who were due to represent their nations at the conference someone is trying to interfere could it be an alien Uh, the SSSP head to the scene of a car crash and run into the same invisible wall they escape the car before it explodes the wall is taking off it must be a rocket or some kind of spaceship 
Ide and Fuji in the VTOL chase the rocket down, but Ide can't hit it with the Mars 133 on account of the fact it's invisible. Um, he just has a little slot that he can put the 133 uh, through. It's, it's, it has become more clear from this episode compared with the other episodes where he has done this, where it just looks like... Oh, he... they... I, I, I could have sworn they... Maybe it's just like I did some no, filling in, but I was like, oh, they showed the slot the first time, I thought. I, I mean, they, they showed it, but it, to me, it looked like he had just, like, rammed it through... He, like, <laughs> the hole yeah. and, then, and then had put the gun through and then, like, slathered some, like, tape over it to make sure it stayed in place <laughs> or something. Okay. My um, my brain might have just done some like infilling too because of like it, it is a it, it does look dumb. <laughs> I mean, it, it 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 may have just been that it has looked like this the whole time and I just didn't pay attention properly. Um, anyway, um, yeah, they don't hit uh they don't hit the the rocket. Um, back at base, Muramatsu demonstrates a possible method of achieving invisibility rapid rotation slash oscillation he spins a bicycle wheel and shows that the many spokes become a transparent blur spinning a wheel of color makes it appear gray to the human eye it's up to ide to figure out how to counter this invisibility i'm really happy that the sssp is spending their budget on basically making a, a children's science fair in their it's offices so good. it's this this the moment this happened I was like, this is this is amazing this is fantastic <laughs> Um, Ide works all night and is barely able to stay awake the next day when he has to explain his new inventions. Uh, they are the spectral alpha ray, which changes light refraction, the spectral beta ray, which destroys the eye's ability to absorb colors, and the spectral gamma ray, which creates a limit on the reflection angle of light. What does that mean? Uh, shut up. It means they're going to kick this guy's ass. Um... <laughs> The squad deploys the new weapons against the invisible rocket, and it works. The UFO is revealed, and they shoot it down. On foot, they approach the crash and find a kaiju. They start chasing it, shooting it in the back as it runs away, uh, but eventually they lose it in the woods. In the heat of the chase, Fuji overheard Alan call the kaiju Jamila and express regret um, about the situation. At night... Lit by their searchlights, uh, the squad make Alan reveal the truth of what they're fighting. Jamila is a human being sent on a mission to space by one of the major powers in the space race. He disappeared, however, and this news was never released to the public for fear of a loss of enthusiasm in space exploration. It turns out Jamila had wound up on another planet, one where the environment mutated him to the form he is in now. He has returned to Earth to seek revenge. Uh, Ide says he quits. He doesn't want to fight Jamila. Jamila is his predecessor. The SSSP are dealing with weird shit every day, and Ide wonders how long it'll be until one of them ends up like Jamila, and then what? They will be abandoned. Oh, go ahead. Do the subs say predecessor for you? Uh, yes. For Okay, that's interesting. In the Blu-ray, they said, I can't fight my senior. Ooh, that's cool. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Um... You know, if if one of them ends up like Jamila, then what? They will be abandoned, even hunted by the organization they sacrificed everything for. Uh, Ide realizes that it is his inventions that will now allow them to kill Jamila, and he regrets it. Uh, Alan reminds the group of their orders. They must destroy Jamila without revealing his identity to the world. 
Muramatsu convinces Ide to help them fight Jamila, who has now become an enemy of mankind. The next day, uh, Jamila raids a rural village using his fire breath. Uh, turns out he has fire breath. Uh, Hayata runs to rescue a kid uh, because Hayata has to uh, quickly find a quiet spot where he can transform later in the episode. Uh, and Ide runs in to shout out to Jamila to look into his heart and stop hurting innocence. Um, this seems to affect Jamila, who diverts course and heads for the motherfucking International Peace Conference. Uh, Hayata, having rescued that kid, has transformed into Ultraman and confronts Jamila outside the conference, and in their struggle, they topple the array of flags of the attending nations. Uh, Jamila is weak to water, and Ultraman hoses him down. Um, Jamila rides on the ground, dragging the flags through the mud, and dies. Uh, the SSSP stage a funeral for Jamila, and Muramatsu says, Forgive us, but at least you can now rejoin the soil of Earth, your home planet. Um, or something like that. It's being broad. Uh, the squad gather around a tribute plaque to Jamila outside the conference, and all walk away except for Ide, who damns the politicians. Uh, the squad call for him, and we hear the roar of a monster. The end. Uh, Ide, you gotta watch your crime coefficient, buddy. You... <laughs> Um, um, holy man. shit! Yeah, this episode was a lot. Uh, was, yeah, I I wrote down so in the Blu-ray subs, what he says at the end is that's how it always is with the victims. Only the words are elegant, and I went holy oh, fucking that's shit! So cool. Oh, um, this is my new favorite episode of the show. I love this episode so fucking much. <laughs> It's really good. Yeah, it's really strong. <laughs> the mo the it, all oh, the team calling for him and the the roar of the monster. It's like he, he's gone. He's going. Like if like if this was a, if this was a a show where that wasn't for tiny children. Um, by the end of this show, Ide would be a monster. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh man, that's good shit. Oh, I know if they if this goes anywhere at all. Yeah, I mean, if if they never do anything with it again, I'll understand because this show is being written by millions of people who all disagree with each other very loudly, clearly. Um, but um, yeah, if if it comes up again, I'll go ahead, go for it. This is sick, <laughs> and I feel like you're we're starting to get this batch of episodes. My takeaway, and maybe I mean part of this might be. Hashtag Jisoji's vision, but like we're really starting to get with episodes and plots that I feel like are are comfortable enough with the Ultraman format. It is a it is a template or a structure at this point that they're like, okay, we can start to really dig deep into this and see how we feel about things or or subvert it in interesting ways. And and I like that a lot. Um, they're playing with the formula more and more. They're getting obviously a lot more comfortable with this after they laid the groundwork with a, a bunch of the previous episodes. Uh, I am curious to see how they play around with it more as the series uh, winds down and it's, uh, or I guess not winds down, but comes to its like, I guess we only got like one third left, right? Oh, shit. Uh, just about. Yeah. Man, we're about next a week little over be, a third. Next week, next week we. Uh, I keep forgetting 20... it's like a 39 episode show and not a, like a 50 episode yeah, show. Yeah, it's 39. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Damn. It is very funny when Ayata saves the kid, and while his back is turned, turns into Ultraman, and the kid just looks back and goes, oh! 
<laughs> it's like now kid i'm gonna need you I, you're not gonna look i have to trust you just don't look all right everything's gonna be normal <laughs> everything's fine i'm just gonna uh quickly push this button here and uh, uh please do not be too shocked <laughs> man uh hiatus hiatus is very funny <laughs> he's a funny guy um, is is amusing and cool that they brought back the fire ultraman's very convenient fire hose ability and decided to use it in like the most gut-wrenching yeah. way possible yeah he's like inst- yeah he's like whips it out that one time to put out a bunch of fires and this time he's like oh he's a he's a fire type okay <laughs> <laughs> um brutal um the um so <laughs> Now, I realize this episode does not actually contain the secrets on achieving invisibility, but this is maybe the first time I've heard a sci-fi show explain how a cloak, how a, like a cloak works, and I've gone, that's obviously not true, but it is, like, it, to, there's some really, like, stupid part of my brain that's like, yeah, that's intuitive. <laughs> <laughs> Just vibrate so strongly until you become, you, you ascend to... <laughs> Yeah, higher degree just, of visibility. It's, it's just like the spokes of a of of the wheel of a bike. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> it was imperative that Muramatsu brought in the bike to show everyone. Yes. It's just it's so The funny. color wheel the color wheel was what killed like I'm like that is that is from a sixth grade science class. Why do you fuck do you have this? Muramatsu, did your kid have his fucking a, a toy that you would want to bring in? Questioning uh, the science credentials of the people on this science team. <laughs> one, one, once again, this is Ichinotani science. This is I mean, as, as, on top as, as we learned this episode, the SSSP is actually, as an organization, pretty evil. So it makes sense that Ichinotani <laughs> yeah, has this ideal. Yeah, we, yeah. So the SSSP is fully prepared it is just like well we're just gonna fucking kill this guy and it's gonna be a secret forever no one is ever no one can know of this because it's like you know it'll be it's a stain on our record i was like what bro this is messed up this is um it's it's very funny how they at the start of the show were like oh the the sssp is an independent organization that serves no nation and it's like hmm. <laughs> that, that, uh, oh, yeah like the imf <laughs> yeah <laughs> Uh, I I do think it's so funny how tortured they sound in the dialogue because they have to keep saying uh, this country or that country because they don't want to yes. say who it was. Uh, um, uh, it's it's pretty funny. The um the scene the scene where they're having this discussion by night with Alan, incredible, um, is so cool. Uh the the. The choice to just uh, film just like pitch black, just with like searchlights, basically, is just fantastic. It it is such a vibe, and like if anyone's ever gone out, like I, th- I think I even like said something that the joke at the start, it's the start of this recording, where I was like, oh, like you're around a campfire, but I don't even think there's a they're around a campfire. I think they're just talking by headlight, but like it it has that vibe of like. Oh, you're in the middle of the fucking woods camping, and like the only thing that you really got is like a campfire going and some car headlights shining on everyone. It's a, it's a, it's a vibe. I love it. I, I, 
think I could use uh, this image of Muramatsu smoking in the dark uh, to set up a, like, uh, th this is what, um, uh, the, the something Prometheus looks like. This is what his video looks like. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. that's totally the American Prometheus 5. That's the one. Um, uh, yeah. I... This, I, it's just a good episode. I just, I just want to say that, like, blew my mind when I looked at the like plaque in tribute to Jamila, uh, and it said he was born, he's he's lived from nineteen sixty to nineteen ninety three, and I was like, hold on, when so does the show take place? So, so this show takes place in nineteen ninety. So this show takes place after nineteen ninety three. Then it takes place in. It, like if I was to figure something out from, I'd say that means that this show takes place in like the year two thousand, right? Damn. Uh, also, just funny that in retrospect, seeing with this revelation, also having them be like, "Oh man, we we need to cover this up, or else people will lose interest in the space race." I'm like, "Damn, crazy that people post nineties <laughs> lose interest in the space race, <laughs> right?" <laughs> um. This oh, somehow man. just makes the SSSP's actions all the more, like, bad. Like, just, like... God. Also, probably wouldn't surprise me if, like, the takes place uh, in, like, the 90s or 2000s is just, like, retconned as the pr franchise progresses. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So I can I can certainly imagine them just quietly sweeping that under the rug. It's just, just like... Going, eh, it's the show for, it's, it's set in the 60s. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. It feels like it feels like the more you go on and the more you try and like do crossovers between the different seasons, they're like, oh yeah, Ultraman, the show that takes place in the year nineteen ninety nine, not to be confused with this Ultraman show that was aired in nineteen ninety nine. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's funny. The um, I did not check what the actual what the translation. I did not check what my subs against the actual French that was written on the plaque. Um, I probably should have, but uh, I just trusted my subs, uh, which uh, in hindsight, maybe not the best idea in the world. Um, but yeah, the, the the general the general vibe of this episode of just like, man, um, your country doesn't care about you. <laughs> it just doesn't fucking care. Yeah. Um, it's great. Um, the E-Day's like, breakdown over the fact because he's like so he has worked this episode is about him like he's worked so hard to make these inventions that will uh that will kill jamila um and then just like i you've coerced me into fighting like like me in like 10 years time or whatever yeah yeah um, it's good it's good when he like sees the village burning and he cries out like jamila don't you have your human heart and like jamila actually pauses for a bit yeah and like you know switches targets to the people who are deserving <laughs> <laughs> uh i um i do also appreciate the i i feel like we we went through it a little fast because like for the sake of summary, it like it it mm. honestly isn't that big of a deal. But the start of this episode just being like vehicles blowing up or crashing or whatever, and just like sitting with that for a little bit, like what the fuck is going on, was a really strong opening to. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Yeah, I was kind of tripping over myself to get to the bit that I was absolutely losing my mind over. But yes, the actual, the beginning of this episode is kind of unrelated, but very good. Yeah, it, it, it very, it very quickly becomes something not about that, but it's, it's a good pull for getting the, the viewer's interest. Yeah, it's like a Simpsons episode. Yeah. <laughs> um... The only other thing I have to say about, again, this is like my favorite episode of the show, I think, so far. I, I think it's incredible. Uh, that last shot of Ide, Anno took that yeah. for Cruel Angel's thesis, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we know Anno took loads of shit from Ultraman, so I probably. <laughs> and like, well, just knowing that this guy specifically is like, these two apparently fucking love each other. <laughs> uh, I was just like, oh, okay, yeah, that, uh. I, yeah. I, I see where some of those shots from the Ava opening come from now. <laughs> uh, uh, I do like... Oh, the oh the one of transparent Shinji head? Uh, the, the... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that and like the Masato silhouette stuff. I was like, oh, I feel like there there's like a through line between this E-Day ending shot and like some of that oh, stuff what is going happening? on. Oh, I'm watching a terrible HD 60 FPS oh, no. version of uh, um, Thesis. Oh. Um, I, I like that the, the kid... Uh, you know, it's kind of nice that he goes back to the village to, like, free the pigeons. Uh, immediately gets weird that he's just, like, so enamored with the one pigeon that he's holding it, and Hayata has to drag him out back out of the village. <laughs> Kids, yeah. be kissing buds. <laughs> in, in the in the land of Ultraman and Ultra Q, Kids kiss birds. Uh, it happens. Uh, except when you find dead ones, and then you're like, "I'm gonna grab this with my bare hands and show it to my teachers." Uh, I there are two there are two routes involving kids and birds in the Ultra series. <laughs> Did you kill these birds? This, I don't, I don't <laughs> know if there's like too much of uh, spoilers, but also I did like see Hayata going to the village to rescue the kid and go, "Oh, this is the open mission Ultraman." Uh, I I kind of <laughs> thought that too. <laughs> yes. I, that did not occur to me, but yes. We're, we're slowly Aww. seeing where the bits and pieces of Shin Ultraman are stitched together <laughs> from. Mm-hmm. Um, well, unless we have anything else to say about episode 23, um, we can get move on to episode 24 of Ultraman, which is Ultraman's apology to Fuji. <laughs> True. Finally. Um... Finally. Uh, so, the underwater science base um, is what the episode is called, on my subs at least. Uh, an underwater science base is having a grand opening ceremony, and as a publicity stunt, they're not just sending down the CEO of the company for the first voyage, but a little girl named Penny, who was selected at random. What? Uh, our... <laughs> okay, in our subs, it was Jenny. Wait, really? Yeah. <laughs> Penny. It was Jenny, yeah, I, right, I, Mel? I, I want to so, make so sure. I, I can be honest. I think it was Jenny, but also I'm, I am still don't have my Blu-rays with me. So. <laughs> oh, I, I should also... I don't think I said this on recording, but I also watched these episodes on Edibles again, which I guess is just a recurring bit I'm going to do with every Jisoji episode. No, now. You know what? Now that I think about it, I think it was Jenny. I think I just invented the fact that her name was Penny when I wrote this summary. That's funny. Um, she doesn't so really I'm, matter, so... She, she, she may as well just, gonna, just be Kid of the Week. Yeah. Yeah, she's Kid of the Week. I'm gonna find, replace Penny with Jenny with my brain uh, as I continue. Um, <clears throat> a little girl named Jenny, um, who was selected at random. Uh, Muramatsu, Fuji, and Hoshino are responsible for escorting the two civilians to the underwater base. 
they travel aboard the SSSP submarine piloted by Fuji. Uh, due to an underground disturbance, the pipeline between the surface and the water base uh, and the underwater base gets damaged. Uh, now, I have been back and I have checked the tape uh, and this is not caused by Fuji. Yeah, it's not. Um, just got to be doubly sure. Uh, the released air rattles the sub and Muramatsu asks Fuji if she hit the pipeline. She doubts her own ability and so she does not have an answer. Muramatsu asks, uh, orders them to continue as before. Uh, somewhere in here, Fuji's on call with the boys back on land and Ide demands to have the radio just so he can say, do your best, Fuji. Thank you, Ide. Very cool. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> At the underwater base, Muramatsu gives the CEO a rundown of some of the more entertaining tech stuff and Hoshino is tasked with looking after Jenny. This leaves Fuji to return to the surface and collect the press for the second phase of the event. After she has left, however, things start to go wrong. A mysterious drill hits the side of the base and the pipeline connection is broken. Communication from the base also goes down. And last, but by no means least, the docks are wrecked. No one can get back into the base by normal means. When Fuji gets back to the surface, she reports to the rest of the squad that this is all her fault. She must have hit the pipeline when she was piloting the sub. Uh, Hayata manages to re-establish comms and figure out the situation. Uh, Muramatsu, Hoshino, the CEO, and Penny are trapped in an underwater base and will eventually run out of air. The squad figures out a new point of entry into the base that will work fine for a smaller submarine called the Tortoise. Uh, but this plan requires special equipment to dissolve the ultra-strong alloy the central portion of the base is built out of. Ide conjures up the equipment and Fuji volunteers to be the one who uses it uh, to make up for her perceived failure. Ide reluctantly agrees, but urges Fuji not to be too gung-ho. If she dies, then so will everyone in the base. Don't throw your life away, Fuji. Uh, things aren't going great in the base either. Uh, the CEO gets increasingly agitated with all the waiting, until the idea of suffocating in this metal box at the bottom of the sea gets the better of him, and he tries to let himself out into the ocean. Uh, Muramatsu just manages to stop him, but the fact remains they're running out of air. They start to use the oxygen tanks they had kept aside uh, for if they had to swim to safety. Uh, unfortunately, there is only enough for three people, so Muramatsu has to go without uh, and gradually so starts I'll to just have... No, they, it's because they used one because Jenny was unconscious, so they... Yes. Yeah. Yes, so, Jen, so Jenny fell unconscious and needed to be given uh, oxygen first, and so they, they ran out of the fourth one. Uh, and so Muramatsu goes without and gradually starts to have a really bad time. Uh... This group heads to the point where they will be rescued, and they wait. Meanwhile, Fuji is out here doing shit. Finally! Uh, she is using the special equipment Ide built to melt through the alloy, uh, but she is interrupted by a giant fish with a drill on its head. Arashi and Hayata in the SSSB sub engage it with torpedoes, and after one quick scare, Fuji returns to the task at hand and gets it done. Uh, she enters the base, and everyone is saved. Meanwhile, the fish has got the better of Arashi and Hayata. Who have crashed. Arashi is unconscious and Hayata takes the opportunity to transform. After a brief underwater chase, the fish drills out onto dry land and fights Ultraman there. Um, the best thing happens, uh, Ultraman throws his buzzsaw thing at the fish, uh, which catches <laughs> it on its drill horn like a ring toss, uh, spins it up, and hurls it right back. Um, as cool as that is, Ultraman does kill it. Uh, by cutting off its horn and just murdering it. Classic Ultraman. Um, nice effort, though. Uh, everyone is safe, 
and Arashi wakes up in the sub to find Hayata in the pilot seat and thinks it's a little suspicious. The end. Uh, now this is Thunderbirds. This, yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is Thunderbirds. Yeah, I, just, I, just, I just want to point out that like part of the reason Arashi is suspicious is that Hayato was sitting is in his seat. <laughs> oh, that's what happened. Right. Yes. Okay. There was part of me at the end where I was like, why is Arashi confused? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He is. Uh, you're right. Um, um, yeah. This is just uh, a nice little, uh, nice little rescue mission. Also, He's not important, but Hoshino is in this episode. <laughs> yes. I did I did like the scene where like Jenny's sad that they're all stuck or whatever and he like makes funny faces to like make her laugh yeah. and like, you know, stop crying or whatever. I was like, okay, actually he's important. He does actually look after Penny and Jenny, but yeah. I've, I have introduced Penny to the world. <laughs> I don't think Penny exists. <laughs> um But yeah, uh I think it's just having both sides of this rescue uh get attention um is good um i i love it when you know i love it in the second episode of thunderbirds when they keep cutting to the inside of the sidewinder to show you that the crew is increasingly in a really bad fucking way (laughs) um so yeah yeah uh, um, it's 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 cool to have like a submarine battle with a kaiju while fuji in a scuba suit is trying to do the mission yeah it's yeah. cool um, uh something about the way that this fish moves around i was like this is a donkey kong country mini boss but <laughs> <laughs> um so i i want to talk about the fuji thing because this is i'm now i'm not expecting the show to suddenly be cured of its uh dismissive behavior towards fuji because again this show is written by loads of people who disagree with each other about everything um but this episode is way more than we were asking for because it's not it's not just that fuji does things right the the fuji does things is like baseline like that that is what that is just like normal like Mm -hmm. you could anyone could do this um but the the fact that the episode is like about the fact that the boss instilled her with self-doubt. Like, yeah. she could be a perfectly competent member of the team if the boys didn't treat her like shit. Is, like, so far beyond what I what we <laughs> wanted the show to reach for that I was, like, taken aback. Um, uh, it was really good. Now, it's, you know, it's in the... <laughs> uh, in the... In the like, I can kind of see like the Tomino version of this episode is uh, she is she does something so reckless uh, that to prove herself that she dies and all the boys around her are like man the women be crazy and no one realizes <laughs> that they killed her uh, but this is a show for children so she can't do something so reckless she dies um, and uh, yeah it's just I I don't necessarily expect the show to start treating her like the like a full member of the cast suddenly um just because we got one good episode but i think so i think someone on the team is annoyed that she's getting treated like shit too (laughs) yeah i i i the the one-two punch of miramatsu immediately accusing her of like oh you fucked up and hit this thing and then like ide trying to like be a good supportive friend and being like no you you need to believe in your abilities was was really cool to see and then, like, the scene where you just see her in the wetsuit, like, no, I'm fucking going out. Like, 
if this is my mistake, which, like, it isn't even, she's like, I, I have, a, like, a duty to, like, do what I can. It, like, it's so fucking cool. Uh, I was very happily surprised. I had given up hope, but uh, we at least got one. <laughs> we'll see if got one. the second half of the show carries forward. It won't make up yeah, for the first half, I mean, but it'd be an improvement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, like like we've said, the the show is made in batches, so this might be the first sign that they've realized something and are going to fix it. Uh, maybe yeah. again, batch. I don't. I don't. I'm not hoping for much. Ending second but... batch next week. Yeah. Nice. Um, this episode was uh, from uh, Toshihiro Ijima again. Who, if you remember, did the uh, roadside picnic one with like the heart, the Bolton episodes, uh, and then also back in the Ultra Q days did challenge from the year twenty twenty Blazing Glory, but then also some weird ones like SOS Mount Fuji and Underground Super Express Goes West. Uh, I those two L's are whatever. Like compared yeah. to everything else that he's that he's done, this, this he needed to bad. find his footing, and you know. Uh, do we have a writer? It's uh, uh, the writer is let me pull the thing back up uh is uh keisuke fujikawa who is a name i do not uh oh also wrote the roadside picnic uh weird uh episode with the giant heart mm-hmm. um and that seems to be it's looking through this book oh wait no also the cry of the mummy episode was keisuke fujikawa okay so yeah, three solid episodes. Um Oh, and the <laughs> and the last one, uh the uh episode five, the plant one with like the bell tower. Oh, that that was a sick fight. Yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh remember the plant that was in color when the flashback was in black and white and it's it, so it went good. on a murdering spree to kill the people that stole it from its homeland. Ultraman's a good show. Yeah. Um <laughs> That was also an Ijima episode. Oh, sick. Damn. Yeah. Um, uh. it, it's So we, we've talked, like, especially, like, a lot about how, oh, a bunch of these directors and people had, like, competing visions. Like, Jisoji is very story-focused and doesn't give a fuck about the special effects. He thinks, like, the Spatium Beam is, like, bullshit. Um, whereas, like, I feel like Ijima... <laughs> Um, some of these other guys, like, uh, Ijima, and I want to say, uh, uh, oh, geez, what's his name? Samaji Nonagase, I feel like are, are way more interested in the more traditional, like, monster fight setup type stuff. That being said, I, I feel like, to the show's credit, even though you have all these competing ideas of what Ultraman should be, I think that the show benefits from all these different visions being there, and, like, you get good versions of each of these visions in each of these episodes. It, it's not like the show is being pulled apart in a way that like sometimes when I think of, Oh, the, the writers have different ideas. I think of like Zeta double Zeta, um, particularly like with how Faz treated and <laughs> those shows right. and how different, different people on the team had different ideas of who that character should be. Sometimes that can just like tank parts of a show. And I do not think Ultraman has had any real harm done to it because of these com- like competing ideas in the writer's room or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, this is a good episode. I don't think it was as good as the last two, but like that's that's a high bar to clear. <laughs> so Yes. <laughs> yes. Um I the you know, I I I liked it a lot just cuz the, you know, the the critical combination of Thunderbirds and 
<laughs> somehow managing to get something clever out of like like actually managing to say man we treated fuji like shit <laughs> yeah um which is cool um but yeah i otherwise i don't have much to much to say about this episode um i thought the ba- i thought the ba- hang on i thought the base was cool yeah I, I the base is cool uh I I don't know if we're ever coming back to this. I sort of feel like we kind of have to because you know I feel like they built some stuff. They're like it's an underwater base. Uh, I I figured we we might spend some time here in the future. I don't know. Sea Lab nineteen ninety three. It'd be nice. Uh yeah, yeah. Um, hopefully, because uh, I like underwater shit. Because as you know, while I am saying Thunderbirds all the time, Thunderbirds only has one. Uh, Thunderbird Four is underwater, uh, but Stingray, oh, the, the Sting Stingray is all underwater. Uh, <laughs> it, it is funny oh. to me that uh, the kaiju is amphibious specifically, so it can drill above ground, and Ultraman can have the fight above ground. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's really funny. Yeah. Um, the it's 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 funny because Ultraman does do shit underwater this episode. Yeah, he just it's just you know not the guy in the suit they're like we can't do a full fight <laughs> with the underwater stuff uh oh, if they should it would be funny it would be sick if they if we got like a real tense like submarine thriller <laughs> instead of the fight it would have been incredible holy shit hell the t- yeah the tension of ultraman slowly floating under uh, like floating around underwater <laughs> that just oh, being like incoming great. missiles <laughs> I watched uh I watched Castle in the Sky this morning and like there is like like <laughs> there's a bit in that movie that's like uh submarine uh warfare but in yeah. in the sky <laughs> when it's like tracking something like beneath the clouds when you're above them um uh that's like the second the se- the second time today my brain has gone ooh submarines are cool they are Red's about oh. to be like, why was I red November, not red October? <laughs> I was not born in October. Uh, that was me. I, that's me. I'm red October. Wait, no, hold on. I need to choose a different color. Uh, I'm, I'm purple October. Hold on. We can't We can't do purple. That's not a Sentai color. Damn, well, it is now. Oh, shit. I'm inventing it. Actually, Rita King Oja is purple. I'm inventing the color. Oh, yeah, there's, yeah, there's, pu- there's purple in King Oja. Yeah. Um, all right, well, unless we have anything more to say about Ultraman, do we don't want to do color timers? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Want to do that, I say scroll. No, no, I forgot to do the calculations. Oh, no. <laughs> no. Oh, no. Uh, I got this. Uh, we'll do it live. Uh, asterisk. Live calculations. Have we had an episode... Every episode, the color timer goes off, right? We haven't had one where the color timer just didn't even beep, right? No. I, I, yeah, I feel like that would... Okay. I uh, feel like it's compulsory. Yeah. First, 22 is 2 minutes and 5 seconds. Nice. Uh, episode 23 is 2 minutes 16 seconds. All right. And then episode 24 is 2 minutes 46 seconds. 
Nice. Woo! All right. It'll be wow. it'll be funny when we get to a series that maybe like says puts a hard limit on the timer, and then we're like, you know, yeah. <laughs> then we're it's checking good. we're checking the tapes, keeping them honest. Uh, yeah, we gotta keep them honest. Keep them honest for a show from uh, sixty years ago. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking that with um, watching. King Kong, I was like, this movie was made 90 years ago. That's fucked up. Jesus Christ. Um, yeah, like, we're nearly a quarter of a way through the century. Oh. I'm gonna turn to dust. Uh, nah, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm thinking I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna keep going. I believe in you. Yeah, I, I, you know, I haven't, I'm, you know, I'm still here right now. I, I figure, uh, I'm just immortal, probably. I, I can see that for you. Yeah. All right. Well, we have no emails. Um, let's move into plugs. Uh, if you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can do so at ultra underscore Q. Uh, that is at ultra underscore Q U E U E. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm uh, at gender underscore redacted, and I'm at November on co-host. Uh, Rosin. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Rosinbrand. You can also find my YouTube channel, Rosinbrand. I've been like kind of doing stuff more. I've been live streaming. I still need to get that Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3 video out. The problem is I kept playing and kept getting matches that I was like, ooh, I want to talk over this one instead. Uh, but uh, Combo Breaker is this upcoming weekend, so I'm like, ah, fuck it, I just gotta pick and choose and and finally get that video out um and uh yeah if you're if you're coming to combo breaker tweet at me and like i don't know we can play some games or something i'm uh i'm down to meet people so yeah nice and Mel. uh you can probably follow my twitter at dear crowns uh we have an email ultra go take that from the top <laughs> we have an email at uh, ultraqpod at gmail.com nice I like the probably in front of your twitter account uh, it's a dice roll <laughs> it is um, it's it's like every now and then when, when the when the account comes back it's like oh I, I gotta go quickly retweet uh, my favorite shit post <laughs> <laughs> I, I, have a, I have a few bangers yeah um, that Destiny RP is amazing. <laughs> I'm happy my Victory Gundam bike tweets started going off again. Yeah, um, the the Victory the Victory Gundam wheel posting will live on forever. One of these days, I have to do one of those. Classic. See, I waited years to make mine. I'm like, I'm not gonna force it. I'm gonna wait until the right footage comes across my my vision. And finally, I had one. I was like, yes, this is my time. I get to make one. I uh, love the one. That's I think it's a I think it's a Camille idea is um the the wheel rolling down the hill towards a bunch of soldiers. Yes, <laughs> yes, set, yes, set yes. To, yeah. That that's also probably my favorite. It's so fucking good. Oh, it's fantastic. That said, I think my um, favorite like uh, version of this is the mecha images one that's just like the tourney opening to a picture of the guy with a really big mustache. Oh uh, my <laughs> 
Nothing will beat me me and my group of friends. Nothing will ever beat the Groovin' Magic uh, guy flying with, with the fucking wingsuit All through right. the snow. <laughs> with the flare what attached a, to the wingsuit. What, what a good OP. I hope it's attached to a good anime. Uh, oh no. I mean, my fucking Blu-ray Gunbuster came in. I'm like, oh hell yeah, I should watch Gunbuster. I'm like, do I want to do Die Buster after? I don't think I do. I don't want to watch that show again. <laughs> episode episode three is good. Yeah. Uh, I think episode three is the one I'm thinking of. The one with the I like sound. how this girl called Tycho Science. Is that her yes. name? Hell yeah. <laughs> I'll be called Tycho Science. <laughs> Um, all right, well, that's a podcast. Now, now that we're just mostly talking about fucking wheel posting and mech <laughs> images, uh, my I I submitted a really fucking petty uh, mecha images uh, post one time, uh, which is really good. Which is just the fucking it's I it's you know the bit in End of Ava where it cuts to the uh the the credits rolling in the middle of the movie yeah um i cut to the uh sailing fly which is the credit song from the middle of the ideon two-parter movie <laughs> uh, I, I submitted a good one for yoka 7 featuring the <laughs> tony hawk race war tweet <laughs> hell yeah uh, but also last year uh during jewish season one i did one that was like alluding to a fan theory that ended up being proven correct and it was like nice nice or, yeah, the gift of prophecy. Always oh, yeah, there's it. a fucking G-Witch episode out today, isn't there? There is. People are tweeting about it. Uh, yeah, people people be tweeting about G-Witch. I still haven't watched a single episode of season two. Maybe it's possibly because people tweet about it. <laughs> the same The same you know thing what, happened you know to what, me last season. You know what you could watch. Birdie yeah, Wing. also King Oja. I could... Oh, also King Oja. I could the, watch either a, of these things. A, I fun, a funny I spider guy named Jeremy it. showed up. I should just give up on nice. having, like, deep opinions about things and just become one of those Boruto was crazy good this week, guys. Uh, you all but, but, Yeah, but then you'll, like, what, then you'll, no, like, look at... Okay, here's the thing. I, oh, no, you'll look ahead. at, like, a Marvel action scene and go, man, this is so cool. <laughs> and then I'll be like, I lose respect for <laughs> you as a person. Kino, Kino. <laughs> here's the thing. I've been hearing about Boruto recently with Sasuke's just out fighting dinosaurs. Maybe Boruto Wait, was crazy good this week. Sasuke's been out fighting <laughs> Velociraptors. Is Naruto <laughs> fucking dead yet? They promised that like years ago, right? Did that I ever happen? Maybe the Velociraptors. <laughs> Maybe they, they, pro- they, pro- God they promised damn Naruto it, is me. dead. <laughs> yes, the show opens with like a time, like a flash forward, and like it, they're talking as if Naruto died. And, like, um, the, the rest of the show has been building up Paris. to that moment, I guess. Yeah, true. I, I, li- I, I, li- I like how Paris I like- is heaven now. Paris is heaven. Um, Arashi needs to... <laughs> that's, a re- that's still maybe one of the funniest unintentional jokes I've heard in my life. <laughs> I just can't believe I fucking... <laughs> that's oh, how sorry. they explain sorry, death Arashi. to Arashi. <laughs> sorry, Arashi. Arashi's like, Uh-oh. oh, my spider shot will send them to Paris. <laughs> <laughs> we did we did end this episode this is... all right podcast is over podcast is over next week we're watching um episodes uh 25 26 27 are we i won't um, be there yeah what are we doing with the combo breaker stuff oh hang on yeah this is a good i'm in a fighting game tournament um do we skip a week what are we doing we could skip a week we could also do something else just on the spare of the moment 
Uh, we can skip. We can skip a week and do, uh, maybe do something else. Yeah, if I'll leave that. I'll see, leave that for you too. <laughs> if if an episode gets uploaded next Thursday, it won't be about Ultraman. Uh, but it will be something. Um. Uh. But if there is no episode next week, uh, sorry. Razen I am to. Fighting. I am to blame. Razen is Razen is uh off. Uh, he's he's fighting people. Yeah. In the streets. Yeah. Well, no, that didn't game couldn't come out yet. Oh shit! Yeah, you're right. Uh, crack gang. Mm-hmm. Alrighty. Well, uh, we'll see you next time, which might be in two weeks. Bye bye for now. Bye. Sei que a pureza